0: What me and Kevin did, I, I think one of the biggest thrills for me is talking to people like you that were in the 80s, because you know, I was born in 68, so the 80s was my, you know, was my growing up years. I mean, Avenging you New know, the Friday the the Halloweens, the 70s, and the 80s. So when I talk to somebody like you that's from the era, you know, we're close in age, and to be able to talk to people who are in my youth, it's, it's fascinating to me. So I want to say thank you for coming on. Well, thank you. Yep. Take, it,
1: take it away. <laughs> I really wanted to tell you, Deborah, why that uh, I really wanted to have you on, and I really want to talk about uh, what you did in the past and, and what you're doing now, because uh, I really first got acquainted with you as, as far as, of course, Friday the 13th Part 5, which you have the distinction of being in – one of the most debated installments of the Friday the 13th franchise. There is no middle ground on it. You either love it or you hate it. I happen to like it, and I always like to talk with people that uh, have a different opinion on it. Uh, But one thing that I notice about you is that you are always so refreshingly positive. (laughs) You you really are. And uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but... um, you uh, in the interview and, and I'm talking about Camp Crystal Lake Memories the the book about Friday the 13th when when everybody was talking about part 5 you were one of the few that, that had favorable comments about your experience it was you and the guy that played Demon and, and he's been in a, a lot of stuff but I, I thought it was really ironic that you had the most positive view on it and you had the hardest job of anybody <laughs> in the whole movie you had the most difficult scene. Uh so <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you that I have a a lot of high regard for you a, and all the other stuff you did too because you really have a a positive outlook on things even in some of the negative things that have happened to you and and I've I've read about you extensively in preparation for this and I I dig your attitude I said all that to to say this I really like your style well
2: thank you that's really kind of you
1: I wanted you to talk about your career and I also wanted to just catch up on, on how have you been, you know, what are you up to now, and I want to uh, give her some props. She has quietly conquered uh, not only film and television, but also uh, the literary world and academia. How's that? Did I, did I nail that okay, Deborah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Bravo, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: well, the question I want to ask you, as we get started is, I, mean, I know we don't ask this question, but I'm just going to go ahead and go with it, because... You are an '80s actress and then, oh, I know. Apparently, you must have left the film for a while to pursue, you know, to pursue a career or a family life. But *The Innocent Prey* is a film that I have, which I have not watched. It, believe it or not. May I ask you, how did you get started? I mean, basically, let's back this question up. What was your experience like to step on a film set in '84 in that era? What was your experience like, even if it's a small part, but what was your experience like when you first go-around on, on the big screen?
2: Well, and, oh, first of all, just seeing that when I left um, acting, what I did was to journalism. Um, I went to college and uh, graduated in the top 5% of my class and became a journalist with the Fort Worcester Telegram and then the Dallas Morning News
1: and okay. then Modern
2: Luxury Magazine and Princess Magazine. And I covered arts and entertainment. Um, You know, in the 80s, when I very first started out in film, it was was before 84. It was, I believe it was 81. I'd have to check to make sure. I was working at the Playboy Club. I was a bunny in Dallas. And I had a chance to work on the Dallas set. And um, I started out with a small waitress role presume Archander was And I ended up working with them for two summers as a stand in uh when they were in Dallas and then over a period of time I did seven small speaking roles on the on the show. And it it was a lot of fun. Um I loved working with the cast of Dallas. Everybody was so nice and uh very accessible and um you know, Larry Hagman was uh, adorable. He used to sing when I'd come on set. And instead of Peggy Sue, he singing Debbie Sue. It it just, it just it was really nice. Of course, it was extremely exciting. I was actually at the Playboy Club when the Dallas show was coming on for me, so I could see, you know, because that was back in the time when you had to watch it while the show was on as opposed to being able to get it
0: whenever. <laughs> so. Right, 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 right. And, wow.
2: And um, And then, you know, I just continued. I guess I did that for, like I said, for a couple years here. and Well, here I'm saying um, I'm not even in Dallas anymore, but in the Dallas area. And then I moved out to Los Angeles. And I guess living in Los Angeles, that first time out there, I have to say it was the only time in my life I've ever felt like I was in a foreign country. I mean, in Mexico... Uh, it seemed much more like home. And in Canada, you know, I hadn't been a lot of places, but I've been Canada and, and uh, Mexico and uh, several different places around the U.S., and uh, it was just such another world. It's like, you know, falling down the rabbit hole, not in a bad way, but just in a surreal way. Um, right. You know, what is this crazy place they call Hollywood? Um <laughs> yeah you know, I I have to say I'm glad that I went. I loved my time there. But it was also, um, you know, probably time to go when I decided to come back and go to school. It was a difficult decision to make because um I had hadn't been back for but a couple of weeks when I got a call to go on to the settled of days of our lives. And that was Let's see, yeah, Days of Our Life, that's right. And I had been on a show before, and that was a lot of fun. I liked the way that soap operas are set up. You know, you have three cameras. I never ever got to see the director because he was up in a, a booth somewhere. All I heard was the voice booming down. Uh, but it was close to being, uh, doing stage work, and I just, I thought it was amazing how fast the characters learned their lines. everybody Every day came in with a brand new set of uh, scripts and stuff. My gosh, this has really got to be intense, hard work, especially for the lead. And um, right. you really have to hit your mark because you're, the camera, you know, cuts are going with you as you film. So that was just, that was a really interesting experience. But they called me in. they said basically that there were three uh, women being considered for the role. And my agent, you know, however accurate this was or was not, said basically it was mine if I wanted it. You know, that was a tough decision, but I did decide to go to school. Um, You know, who knows, you know, what I've not chosen, but I am, you know, very happy for my time in school. And uh, yeah, I went on after teaching, uh, or I'm sorry, after working as a journalist and I uh, got my teaching certification and taught British literature, which I'm a complete Shakespeare geek. And so, um, you know, a lot of that, who knows if I would have found Shakespeare or not, or if I would have ended up writing or what would have happened, who knows. But I've enjoyed writing my screenplays and now I'm producing and directing I did Billy Shakespeare, which is one that I wrote and directed. And it's about what is William Shakespeare never existed until now. And um, that one's available both on Amazon and on IndieRain.com. And now I am finishing up with an independent film. The writer is Tom Stein which, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing this for sure because I met Tom Fine. He was a theater critic at the Dallas Morning News. Very talented writer. I love his... Um, he, it's a dark comedy, and I love how his... That, that's what he writes, dark comedy. It's one of my favorite genres. And um, it's about a socialite who becomes morbidly fascinated with an ex-con murderous past. And it's just—it's a lot of fun, and I love directing. I love directing. Um, it's incredibly intense, especially since I had—I do the indie film, which means that I'm wearing numerous hats at one time. Sure. Um, I would love the chance to uh direct a film where I had somebody in all the roles, so I could just concentrate on being the director. <laughs> <laughs> I <did it>, a really. feeling. <laughs> It's <laughs> so, world. Yeah, but it's um, it's very exciting, and I've um, you know directed a stage play as well. I'd like to do some more stage um, this time with a, a group of people that are a little bit more dedicated to their time. <laughs> <laughs> I got into the 18th rehearsal date, and I had yet to have my cast complete. Because oh, wow. everybody had stuff they were doing. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I am way too intense a personality for that kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> that does well, not work
0: for me. <laughs> well, I, I think Kevin can agree I'm very similar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely.
0: So no uh, I know it's probably, I don't know how it was perceived later on in life, but Friday the 13th the New Beginning, the scene that you had, I'm sure, we talked to Terry McMinn, who was on the Texas on that, appearance from 74, me and Kevin and John Gillian interviewed her. And the scene that she did is not far like your scene was, but it seems like she acted like that that role never existed. Remember Kevin? Yeah. And then when people started finding out about it, um, she had to talk about it, but she was like embarrassed about it for years, but she wouldn't go to any conventions. Uh, and then eventually, I guess, like well, a, a couple of years ago, she finally came to her senses, as she said. She goes to these conventions, and then she realized that this film is bigger than what she ever thought it was. Now, with right. *Nudity* and Fire thirteen, and I, in the early eighties and eighties, nudity was a big thing in horror films because that's just the way it is to attract uh, younger generations to watch your screen. Right. Now, as that, I'm, uh, if I'm trying to tell me, I don't know, I'm just. I'm on the fly here, asking this question. Did that scene affect you in any way later on no. in life? Where no, a, no,
2: no. I, I'll tell you why. One, um, life is way too short to regret. Um, right. Or you know, um, I, I mean, we all can look back on our life and wonder, well, what would have happened if I'd made this choice or that choice or Very true. or whatever. Very
0: true.
2: But. Um, you know, to actually spend and waste your time regretting something um, that you've done. It's crazy. Has it caused me difficulties in my life? Yeah, it has. Um, I was thrown out of two high schools, and that was devastating for me because, um, you know, I love teaching. I was an extremely intense teacher. Um, You know, I didn't... uh, I expected 150% from everybody, as I expected from myself. and um, You know, I I was definitely coloring outside the lines as a teacher, but it went from, you know, my principal and such coming to me and they, they literally told me that I was the kind of teacher they write movies about. And then as the second he finds out, I get canned. It's like, you know, I'm still a good teacher. You know, um, I honestly, when I went into teaching, it never occurred to me that that would be an issue. But, uh, you know, I've had interesting experiences because of the choices I've made um, in all things I've done. You know, I've had many opportunities to make more money than I have, but I can't say that it would have given me um, a, a better life. You know, I did graduate uh, very high in my class, and, you know, I could have been working in the corporation, you know, doing, you know, I'm sorry, things that I would find absolutely mind-numbingly boring. Um, I did an internship with a big corporation, and I-, I thought I would lose my mind. Everybody was like little clones, and they're all these same little outfits every day. And I tried to dress conservative every day. And it was like my third day from time for me to leave. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to spice it up a little bit. And I wore a skirt a whole four inches above my knee. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yes, and it was pink. Pink. And um, I'm not kidding you. I was completely ostracized. Really? I was like, yes. And I mean, from that moment on, I was ostracized. And it was like they could not wait to get me out that door. Up till then, I was a genius. I was wonderful. I was helping them. I was like, people to into the wrong thing. And so if somebody has a problem because they think that I did something inappropriate, well, I don't know. I think maybe they're the ones with the problem, not me.
0: Well, God bless you, Deborah. God bless you, cause I, I mean, just hearing that story, I mean, come on, you're an actress at the time. Right. on people. I mean, the, yeah. look before it was just a neighborhood alone here in Pennsylvania, five teachers was arrested for molestation or having an affair with their students. We all do things in our past where it was at the time it's exciting. you get a big break in the movie industry or anything. And sometimes which I get it too, Something that I've done in the past that seems to always come back and bite you in the ass, even though it's not that bad, but in right. somebody else's eyes who has a board stuck up their ass, use my language, <laughs> um, <laughs> they think the world revolves around their choice or their opinion or their thoughts. But so right. God bless you for for, I mean, telling that story. I mean, you yourself, you just said it. I mean, what you've done, it is what it is. But it doesn't I mean you you're a fighter like I am. I'm going through a lot of ordeals right now in my whole personal life, but you're strong willed like I am, I can tell and you fight through it. But I just say, yeah. i just want to say God bless you for sticking to your gun and doing what you love and count the consequences if there is any later on that right.
2: Time. Well, there's so many things that I can do that are much, much more exciting than to adhere to the most conservative um, mindset. I mean, talk about boring, mm. you know. I, I could have sold insurance all my life and, you know, and and one of the things I told you, know, your life is really made up of your stories. because you, the moment you live the story is very, very short. But I, I asked a, a student of mine one what, time, what is more important? Then I, I said, "What would be the better story?" It was, she was very upset for me, and, and and granted, believe me, I was very upset too. I said, "What what is the what is the better story for me to tell? That I um, worked as a teacher for thirty years and retired, or that I uh, was thrown out of two high schools for having my tits on the internet? What's the better story? You tell me." <laughs>
1: Like I said, unrelentingly positive. I <laughs> totally admire that.
2: So, she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay.
2: yeah, but do you know?
0: You know, It's funny you said that, but do you know kids look at that stuff anyway? I mean, I, yeah, I, I get that. I know. It's, I mean,
2: the reality was is that after it came out, when I was here working in New Mexico, it's in the same town I'm looking at putting it now, and they thought I was going to run away in shame. And, and <laughs> <people> <laughs> Those are kids. We all have them. 50%. More than 50% of the population has it. Get over it.
0: That's right. And, and my kids still circulating today, damn it. But
2: just you know me. what? The boys all of a sudden needed so much help with their grammar.
1: They started <laughs> coming in to be tutors,
2: to get help. I know what they really, they just wanted to talk and ask me questions about that time. That's okay. So what? Mm-hmm. But right. what they were doing instead, they were being incredibly polite, incredibly polite, more polite than they'd ever been in the classroom. And they were sitting there listening, taking notes. You know, use it to the advantage. And what so I did.
0: Exactly. exactly. He pulled up my,
2: on, on his cell phone. They were, he was, they were text messaging my boobs around the classroom. Well, I'm in the middle of the grammar lesson, and I looked over there and I go, Yeah, those are mine. Put them away back to the lesson. That takes a little composure. Yeah. Somebody else you know might fall apart, but I'm like, you know, I don't know it, it's just a very um, strange world that we live in. It's yeah. a world of judgment, and yeah. um it's it's not. I, what what exactly is wrong with those? I I yeah. don't get it. I really don't.
0: I know it's like um, it's like oh my god, her boobs are too beautiful. We can't have a look at her because mine I'm I'm not compatible to hers. Let's fire her. I'm being facetious, but you get my, you get my point.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what it is. I think it's just there's such a a heavy conservative element, but it's like why. I I don't know. I I, I think there was some some point in my life where I just kind of, I feel like I woke up and I realized that everybody's just making stuff up. I used to think that if I looked long enough, I could find somebody with the right answers. And one day I was Mm -hmm. like, you know what? Nobody has the answer. Not a single person. There's not a single philosophy. There's not a single religion that has a clue. What's going on? And for then it was like so freeing because it was like, okay, well, they don't know any more than I do. I've got my best guess, and it's as good as theirs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Crazy.
0: <laughs> Crazy. But why somebody Crazy. decides
2: that something like that, I mean, I could tell, I would like to do maybe like um, a short or something on the idea of a society that um views maybe the hands as being obscene hmm. you know and just just to show how ridiculous the whole thing is this idea just to pick a part of the body and decide that it's obscene
0: All Right. well i got a documentary for you that you're not going to work on uh, What's I, got that? A great ti- I got a great title for it it's called boobs versus education <laughs> and what is it about? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> not being facetious, but I mean, look, look at the commercials today. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're not showing boobies on TV, but they're showing them wearing brawls. I mean, come on. I mean, my grandsons are five and six, and they go, "Oh, boobies!" <laughs> I mean. <laughs> And, I mean, I mean, think, think about that. I mean, I mean, Kevin. I'm sure your kids. I'm sure oh, boobies.
1: Well, you know, I have. It's I have, a fact of life. I have two young sons, and uh, you know, we were me and one of my friends were talking about it the other day. If you wanted to see boobies back when I was growing up, it was uh it was an ordeal. I remember us sneaking in to try to see the Madonna penthouse. If if you guys remember that. And uh, it was an ordeal. I mean, you had to get over kind of a, on the side of the magazine rack where the, the guy at the cash register wouldn't see you. And, and now if, if my boys want to see boobs, uh, you know, they can just – pick up the iPad, you know, we're still careful about what they watch and and what they see. But I don't shelter them to the point to where if they did see boobs that that it would just blow their mind and they wouldn't know how to handle it. You know, (laughs) they're going to see so. And, you know, I mean, actually, my oldest son, I've already had the talk with him. And uh, and he's very young. I, I never got the talk when I was growing up. I always thought I'm going to do one better with him. And I mean, I, I did it tastefully, of course, but you know, appreciate it and respect women because uh, they're going to see all these things out there. And if 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 they didn't see them with somebody who can explain it to them, they're not going to know how to handle it when it does come up unexpectedly, and they're on their own or they're with somebody who is not going to explain it to them. So, so that's my take on it, Deborah. I I think you know, and I don't know. I would like to say that. Uh, if this happened now, and you were in a film where you know you did have nude scenes, and and you were a teacher, after the fact that that situation wouldn't come up now, but you know, I, I kind of think it would. Oh, this
2: is we're talking about. This is from the last five years. Of my teaching problem. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I don't think there it's really changed now. that much. They
2: just in Dallas, they just fired a woman. I understand because she was a centerfold.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, for
2: teaching in teaching. So it's very much uh, alive and, and well. Um, a narrow-mindedness um, mm. is very much alive and well. It's not going away. I'm saying that, um, you know, that narrow-mindedness just is something that is a part of our world for whatever reason. And um, I guess maybe there's some good in it in that uh, you must have narrow-mindedness in order to have more expanded minds.
0: Then, then let's go this angle. Double It's double standards what it is. I mean, if they would have made money from the pictures of your boobs, you would have been fired. Bottom line,
1: oh. it's
2: politics, money, <laughs> and and you know, it's really I, making money
1: off <laughs> I, I value your opinion on this because I mean, you you were in the trenches when you know, number one, you were uh, naturally attractive, uh, naturally voluptuous, and you were in a time where uh, whenever you did go out to get any kind of an acting gig, you always run the risk of being exploited because of the way you looked. And uh, anything you say about this, I I value it extremely because. I, I know you ran into that from time to time, and uh, it's it's like I said, I was I was so amazed by all your commentary on on Friday the Thirteenth Part Five uh, because you know you were like, well, you know it was it was uncomfortable to do, but you know all in all it was a good experience. And and I read an interview where you said the same thing that you just said now, to where you know you don't have any regrets about it because uh, regrets are a waste of time, and anything that you've done has you know that that maybe you should have had a regret about, got you to a better place.
2: Well, I learned a lot being on film sets. I Mm -hmm. learned about, you know, I didn't just sit there and um, do nothing. I, you know, and, you know, just do my role. I paid attention. Mm -hmm. And I watched what the director was doing, how they were doing camera angles, what was going on. And so um, I I learned a lot. I wouldn't be directing now, I don't think, without that time and that experience. And, you know, my time there um you know i I learned about how they did you know the the makeup and stuff you know going in and um having the mask put on and and shaped and made that would eventually look like you know my nose had been broken from the and the eyes poked out and stuff, and you know it just it there were interesting things going on mm-hmm. um you know it it wasn't sitting in. Some receivables department at some corporation that, yeah, maybe they would have decided that I was, quote, respectable, but, um, God, what a price to pay for respectability. Mm-hmm. It, uh, to be bored to death, you know? Um, which, and I loved my time as a journalist, you know, and um, my writing has, you know, I've written seven screenplays and a novel. And everything that I have done in Hollywood is a part of my story and a part of my narrative that gives me things to write about. Imagine if I had been in nothing but accounts and receivable, what the hell am I going to write about? (laughs) 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 You know? It's not that I have to write about that specific thing, but, you know, as a journalist, I had, you know, interesting, something new, something different every day. Um. It was a different story. I was picking my stories. I was doing the stuff I wanted to do. I probably only maybe two percent of the time did something my boss asked me to do. Most of the time I just pitched my stories and went with them.
1: Do you get recognized a lot now?
2: Sometimes I do, not not that often. Uh, but I was going through the bank, and um, a friend of mine had written me a check, and his name happens to be Michael Myers. <laughs> and um, she saw Voorhees and Myers together, and the lady was just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and I, of course I'm just sitting there smiling because she didn't know that I was in Friday the Thirteenth.
0: <laughs>
1: I I love part five. It's one of my favorites. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's either a love it or a hate it type thing. But it was was actually pretty clever. I remember when it first came out, after the final chapter, you know, of course, then I was naive enough to think that, you know, even though the final chapter made a lot of money, that it really was the final chapter. And, And then for the new beginning to start up again, I was super excited about it. And it was different. They did a lot of really clever things that nobody picks up on. Like, every time Tommy sees Jason it's the, the hockey mask with the red on it, like the traditional Jason mask. And, and anytime mm-hmm. Jason has seen, you know, the imposter Jason, the, the mask has blue on it. There was, there was a lot of things going on. And, and um, I know everybody, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of people spoke ill of, of Danny Steinman, the director. But uh, I, I really think he knew what he was doing on that. And uh, it seems like you had a good yeah. impression of him. And I, I think he's since passed no, away did. recently. I but, did. you know, he, he seemed he like he had a vision for it.
2: Yeah, there was a lot of you know, kind of. I, I noticed I was kind of surprised on a couple different situations where, you know, um, some people involved in Friday the Thirteenth or Five or, or that were not involved that were supposed to be or had at one time plans on being, are still bitter. It's like, wow, life must be really <laughs> <laughs> to still be worrying about this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Everybody's everybody's different and you know, it's just it's kind of strange.
1: I will say that was the, the worst halfway training. house for it's teens. The ever. only
2: reason that I got the role was because I had the group and I was like, no, actually that wasn't why but and it was somebody not even in the film and <laughs> 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 didn't know anything about me or anything about the role or why I got it. You know, I got it. it was because I understood something that was just so completely basic. Her boyfriend is asking her to go have sex in the woods. Mm-hmm. You're going to be pissed? you <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> you might be <laughs> hesitant because, you know, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to stay out, but you're not going to be pissed. You know, and that, that was it. That was the whole reason. You know, and Danny I just liked the way that I worked it. And, uh, you know, and then there was, you know, weird things on the set where I, I don't even know how it got started. It was about that the scene had been overshot or something. It was like, oh, I don't know. It was all confusing because I was like, none of that ever happened. And there was a place where somebody said that Danny was yelling out on set, you know, grab her ass, grab her boot. Never happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was. That's totally actually. In,
2: respected.
1: Yeah, that was actually and, in and the book was, Yeah,
0: you know, it was like it
2: didn't happen. It absolutely did not happen. He was. He could not have been more respectful. He was. You know. He made sure I had a robe. He made sure that everything was just fine. Never, ever once did those words come from his lips. And I was like, that was like completely fabricated. Why would somebody want to fabricate something like that? Makes
0: nice news. I guess so.
2: I guess so. It's crazy. <laughs> I don't know that it was. You know, I'm not suggesting that the writer fabricated it, but you know, it either. I mean, it would have had to been the writer or the the person quoted. But um, you know, I don't have any reason to believe that the writer you know would write it without it being. But why did somebody want to say that? You know. Yeah. I don't know. It's
1: strange. I actually think in the book strange, that it said um, they were watching like the dailies of it. And uh, you could you could hear uh, the director in the background yelling some things pretty much um, a little worse than what you said, actually. And uh, they were, you know, the producer Frank Mancuso Jr. was really shocked because it was one step above softcore porn and he was yelling all these obscenities out. So I'm, I'm glad to, to hear you say that it wasn't like that.
2: No, it wasn't anything like that. And it was definitely nothing close to South court porn. Nothing.
1: Nothing like it
2: that. that. It was just, that's just, you know, I don't know, strange, strange yeah. people.
1: Like I said, I've read a lot about you. Did did you do anything after after Friday 13th Part 5, or did you go back to school immediately after doing Part 5?
2: Let me think. I really, yeah, I think it was that I was pretty much, let's see... Yeah, I really did. I left pretty much after that because it was '86, mm-hmm. um, and um, that's when that was the same year I went back uh, to Texas to get my um, college degree. So um, yeah, it just um, for me one of the things that I saw there, and I, I think this is really kind of gets down to some of the the reasons why. I don't know if people felt the need to make things up. There's just really um, sad desperation in Hollywood as women age. I saw women, you know, in their 40s at the time trying to compete with us in our 20s, you know, early 20s. And, you know, they were doing, getting the tummy touched and the boob jobs, and they were going to the tanning booth and, you know, coming in, you know, with, baby oil and, um, you know, the the glitter on trying to still look, you know, like they could handle, you know, a sex pot role. And um, I just, I really felt for these women that, you know, to see you so desperate that your job, your livelihood, requires you to retain this look. And I was like, I don't want to fight age. I, I've let my hair go gray in 53, um, um, very healthy, uh, salt and pepper. And um, it, it, it's just so much pressure. And I was just like, I don't want to be that woman. I don't want to be that woman who is feeling desperate to... Um, you know, and you'll, you'll see the actresses today when they overdo, you know, they're on their fourth or fifth, um, faceless, and they don't look like a human anymore. That's, to me, is, that to me is really sad that, um, somebody would feel that desperate. And, um, and I think that's what it is. There's something about, Hollywood being being in film and having so much ride on how you look that really drives people to try and hang on to to you that it's absolutely impossible. You can't do it. You know. And that's what really made me decide that um, I really wanted my education and I wanted to be a writer.
1: I think you made the right choice because uh, it, it seems like everything is coming back around now. You're you're doing film, you're writing, and, uh, you know, I'm, I will be 42 this year, and I wouldn't want to go back. Uh, I'm kind of in the same boat as you for every seemingly bad choice that I made that perhaps may have been a missed opportunity. I might have missed out uh, on the place where I'm at now. So I, it sounds right. like you feel that way too. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, whatever... It is that you do or you do not choose it, it doesn't matter. It does what you do choose and, and part of what you don't choose does become a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. and um that's not a bad thing.
1: I knew you would wax a little philosophical on here, so uh, I'm I'm kinda glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> you are you were also on a show that I love too and I gotta get a plug for this show because uh it's an old show by now, but it was so cool. Riptide, you were on Riptide. Oh mm. my gosh.
2: Yeah. I was.
0: I uh, wasn't gonna bring that up.
1: Uh, that
2: one was just a plain fun set to be on.
1: I bet it was. P You know,
2: the jumping when we were jumping up and down on the bed, it was just like, Wow, I'm being paid for this. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was it was great it had uh of course you know joe Penny and it had uh uh, perry perry king i think was his name and um it had the goth job i've only seen him in one other thing i I don't think he acts anymore i actually think he teaches but uh man that was a great show you know i
2: never got to see it
1: (laughs) (laughs) and I, i don't think you've seen any of the fridays either have you
2: no, oh, well, I, I've seen mine, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, not the others. I, I don't. I I think everybody knows I don't like horror movies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, most ironically, most people don't that are in them. I've, that's that's not uncommon. That you know they've done one yeah. in a series and have have never seen any of the others except mm-hmm. the one that they're in, and they just don't like horror movies. I am genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: tried to watch um, Somebody told me That I should watch The horror story And I thought Surely I'm 53 I'm over this Scared of boo <laughs> No I'm not No I made it through the, the first episode It was starting And I think I got About 10 seconds into it All it takes for me is that camera moving down a hall with that noise like somebody might jump out mm-hmm. and i'm just like oh no no i can't do this i get <laughs> wow
1: which, which one did you watch was it the one uh, the, the the very no, first I, season
2: no I, I got 10 seconds into the first episode ah that's it
1: yeah it it got way and worse they start playing there.
2: that music and i'm dead <laughs> i'm out of it <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, it, it got way worse from there, so it was probably the right decision. Yes, yes i just
2: stick with where I am. Now, I, you know, and I thought about it. I, I want to try and move past the <laughs>
1: Well, I wanted to ask And
2: maybe you. do, like, a ghost story as a director because I have a good fan base. It would be a good thing for me to do a scary show. Well, that was you know, my next question. Think,
1: would you do another horror movie, either, you know, in front of or behind the camera? So I'm, I'm glad I you mentioned would, I mean,
2: directing it, I think it could be really interesting. You know, being on the set of a horror film is not scary. Mm-hmm. There's nothing scary about it. Um, you have to make it seem like it's scary or whatever it is. I mean, there's right. nothing more artificial than than film work, and that's one of the things that makes it so hard for an actor. And that, that, that's one of the things that I would have really liked to. I'd, I'd like to do some more teaching. I have taught acting for film, but I would like to do some more of it because. And all the acting classes that I had, nobody really concentrated and explained to you what you were going to need to know and understand um, to go out for film, because you may be talking to somebody that's not even there, and um, you're in a situation where there is absolutely zero zilch anything scary going on, but yet you have to look like they're scared. And, and people, actors, aren't prepared for that. It's much more natural to act on stage because you start at the beginning of a uh, play and you go to the end of the play. In a film, you're going from, you know, the beginning to the middle to 10 minutes and to 45 yep. minutes and to... And you have to keep track of where you're supposed to be in your emotions, not hard. It is. Uh, you know, for a lead to have to tackle that, that, I mean, that's really tough work. You might be, uh, shoot your ending first, and if you don't have a clear idea of your trajectory, uh, to get there, you might have done it wrong. Right. And, uh, so, I don't know, it, it's, it's, I, I really, I absolutely love working with actors don't show up. <laughs> don't show up. I am an absolute bear.
0: <laughs> you're, the, you're the avenging angel, right?
2: There you go. Exactly. That was a fun but. set, too. I enjoyed
1: that. That was What's a cool movie. Now? That was I saw that one before I actually saw the original one, so uh, I I liked it better than the original. But I, I didn't even know you were in that. Uh, it, it had been mm-hmm. a while since I saw it, and uh, I went back and watched it, and uh, I had no idea. I love that movie, though. You're great in it. Well, thank
2: you. Uh, that one was that was definitely fun, fun to be in. Well, there's you know also you know one of, uh, a, a neat story that I like. That it would have never have been able to have, but on. Uh, do you remember Mystic Pizza? The Mystic Pizza. Pizza. Oh yeah, film, mm-hmm. the film mm-hmm. with, that was what Julie Roberts got her start in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It was she, I, and one other woman who were uh, down for that lead role. Oh
0: for wow. the
2: final three. Wow. I, I, I think. I think that's pretty cool.
1: That <laughs> yeah, is pretty cool. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't mind losing out to that woman. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, no. If you if you have to lose out to somebody, that's a pretty good one to lose out to. If you're going to
2: gonna get your butt kicked, getting kicked <laughs> by the way, is not bad. Yeah, there you go. Supposed <laughs> to be in the final three on the half camper. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's. I, I really enjoy directing, though. It's just, it's su- such a neat experience. I mean, it is um incredibly tense. The hours are ungodly long. But boy
1: do I love it. Is is that kind of a passion that you want to pursue now more so? That it seems like uh you're you're pretty diversified and, and you kind of you know go on a uh go on a tangent to where you'll you'll write and then maybe uh you're doing film work now is, is directing kinda of gonna be the natural progression kind of what, what you're gonna end up doing the majority of your time here in the near future, hopefully. <laughs>
2: I think so. Um, anything to do with you know? I've done some music videos. Um, I've got a guy coming from New York. He's actually um, he's a rapper and he raps Shakespeare's songs I live out in the middle of of New Mexico.
1: Oh, it's, Scott said he hated New rap. Mexico. I was when you were saying you could have sold insurance. I was I was going to tell you that I, I sold insurance, but I really don't. But. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know um, what I like about it, and, and that's not—I can't say it's my favorite genre of music. However, what I do like about it, uh, first of all, I believe that all words are valid, and I don't care if somebody's cursing up a storm. I don't know—are there any cursing rules on your podcast?
1: No, no. I, I, I usually okay. try to keep it. I don't care if somebody's
2: yeah. like you know, fuck this or bitch this mm-hmm. or bastard or whatever the hell it is. I really don't care. I don't care. If, if if that word is the best word to get across the message, then that's okay. You look at Shakespeare. I'm a complete Shakespeare geek. I love the man's words. But he has curse words all over his text. It's just not what we're accustomed to as curse words. So we mistakenly think that he's not, you know, and, um, you know, if you look at, you know, um, the, the scene with Hamlet when he's in the bedroom with his mother and people, I, I've had uh, people argue with me that there was no sexual um, tension between the mother and the, the son. And I was like, really, when was the last time you talked to your mother about not allowing um a man to take his penis and stick it in her vagina and leaving a wet spot on the bed. <laughs> when did you ever do that with your mother? Because that's <laughs> essentially what's being said, and you didn't know it, <laughs> so it seemed okay to you. You know, but they play that in school, no problem, because they don't know what it means. Yeah, exactly. What are you thinking that when they said the end seemed bad?
1: I wanted to. I wanted to ask you too, uh, and I, I don't know a lot about Billy Shakespeare, but it sounds really interesting. And uh, of course, you said the premise was uh, Shakespeare is is here now, and he's uh, trying to get his writing noticed. Is it an issue of he's just as brilliant, but he's in a different time to where it, it's getting yes. a different reception? I bet that's a very interesting concept.
2: Well, what I I couldn't help but once I started really um, getting involved with Shakespeare. It was because I was, you know, covering arts and entertainment, and so I was going to theater all the time. And I started seeing these wonderful Shakespeare productions, and I, I got so interested, I sat down with, you know, the entire canon, which I don't know if you've ever seen the full canon book, but I had one of those big, giant, thick ones, and I put that down on my lap, and I opened to page one, and I kept going until I got to the end. <laughs> anyway... I, I just couldn't help but laugh about my time in Hollywood and Shakespeare, because he is the most popular playwright still, or screenwriter still. But what if he didn't exist? What if he didn't have that reputation that said he was the most brilliant writer in the English language? What if he were walking in with his work? How would he be rejected? Because I had to laugh so many times, at reasons I was rejected for a different parts. And it was really comical at times. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: One role was, um, I was going in for, and I was supposed to be uh, kind of an innocent 16 year old. And um, so <clears throat> I went in, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I looked like I could be 16, and I was a baby face. They loved my acting, they thought it was brilliant. But I was supposed to be innocent. And, um, well, she had big boobs. Like, really? God, whether I'm innocent or not, really, honestly. And another one, it was a situation where I was supposed to be intelligent. So I bound down my boobs a little bit, tried to, which was not easy, and, you know, went in there, put my hair back, and uh, dropped glasses, you know, eliminated makeup and stuff you know, trying to be that character <laughs> that they were describing. Yeah. And I'm to, like, once again, they loved me. They thought it was great. I was supposed to be intelligent. Well, I had big boobs. And I was like, wow, this is just too funny. You know, yeah. never mind that my, I have an IQ of 145, you know, and, and, and never once as my breasts were growing did I lose any of those IQ points. They actually <laughs> stayed with me. And um, that's a little non fact that um, people don't know is that when your breast size increase it does not take away from your brain capacity.
0: <laughs> Shocking, is it?
2: So, so I'm thinking it was Billy Shakespeare and imagining, you know, and as a writer myself, you know, I used to have an agent Nick Reed with ICM and, you know, of course that was one of those moments when I thought, oh wow, I finally made it. And he took me on his pet project. He, he said that, uh, he loved my style of writing, and it was, you know, <clears throat> wordy. <laughs> 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 and I just thought, well, if my does wordy, they would really think that Wayne Stinkers works wordy, and so he goes and
0: producer's off. Says,
2: what can I say, Will? You're wordy. And uh, he goes in, and he, he starts reading part of the Hamlet and talking about, um, you know, getting some of the dialogue, and, you know, it's beautiful this guy's reading it like it's just absolute shit. He like, get to the point. You're a fucking whore mother You know. And that was, you know, I have to give it to him, you know. It is shorter route. <laughs> and it did basically say the same thing. Oh, wow. But, you know, of course what it leaves out is the sexual tension between the mother and the son and, um, you know, kind of this Oedipus complex that he has, and it leaves out, um, the pain and the suffering that he feels because she's married, um, his father's brother after his father was murdered. And of course, we later find out that the brother that she married was actually did kill him. So, murdered him with poison. So, I mean, talk about a great little script there. <laughs> <laughs> There's some talk about that's some juicy, juicy work there, you know. But, but you know, I couldn't help but laugh and see, and that's why I had to put them in Hollywood. It just it started out honestly as a couple jokes to friends, but then within nine months, I gave birth to a full screenplay, got absolutely nowhere with it, but then I ended up in the teaching in the kinds of places I got thrown out of. I had some kids putting up a mural on the back wall, yes. and my lead artist was a young kid by the name of Matt, and oh, some another kid who was, you know, from a bible something family, got all uptight about it, because there was a, they said it was Satan eating a woman's severed head, and I quickly corrected them, because that was absolutely not true, that it was a demon biting a woman's severed head, which I thought was completely different from actually eating it, and it wasn't the devil. The devil was actually in another spot. I'm not sure how the rumor got around that it was the devil. Anyway, they didn't seem to think that I was funny. I thought it was pretty funny, but um, anyway, they... The, the principal, after being in the room numerous times, knowing exactly what we were doing and praising it, saying, you know, this is brilliant, you know, the kids are really involved, they were writing music, they were putting painting, they were writing poetry, writing stories, doing all kinds of fun, exciting things. And one kid could ruin it all, and uh, they sent the maintenance team in to painted over, of course, the principal being the charming fellow that he was, instead of um, owning up and saying, yeah, I backed her and I supported her, he threw me to the wolves and said, oh, gee, I'm shocked. Right, <laughs> um, Anyway, and so uh, the brother of Matt came in, and he took a look at the wall, and he wanted to photograph it. And we ended up sitting down and talking for a long time and realized that he was interested in film, theater, and acting, and everything, and I asked him to read the script, Philly Shakespeare. And I said, I'm interested in putting it on stage here in town. And uh he read it, and we got back together, and his name was Philip David Collins, and um in a little cafe in Alto on a piece of paper we plotted out because he basically told me to, we could film this and um I don't know why I believed him but we, I did because I didn't have 2,000 bucks to start filming nor a camera nor anybody who knew how to work a camera <laughs> that I knew <laughs> but somehow or another I believed him and um and that really, honestly, if there's one thing I could tell anybody about my life, besides understanding that absolutely nobody knows anything more than you do, um, uh, as far as how the world works, is that once you believe you can, you can. And that's that's really that's the first step. Because once you believe you can, you will figure out how. Right. And um, and we did. We made the film in uh, this community of about 7,000 people and um, you know using uh, local talent
1: and I want to give you the opportunity uh, to promote it where would somebody be able to see it or learn more about it?
2: you can see it on Amazon.com and uh, just type in Billy Shakespeare and the movie will come up and you can also see it on um, Indie Rain dot com, which is com. i n d i e r e i t h n dot
1: com. We got to check that out. Now I've, I've there is a
2: reference to my part in Friday the Thirteenth too. So
1: <laughs> you you sold <laughs> so me I, already.
0: Yeah,
1: enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Any final <laughs> thoughts? You know, anything that you want to add that we haven't touched on? And and like I said when we were corresponding. I did not want to talk about Friday the Thirteenth Part Five the whole time. I wanted to uh, really let everybody know what you are doing now, and uh, you know how you've continued to be a creative person. I, I think you've done really well elaborating on, on all the cool things that you're up to. Any final thoughts there?
2: Um, hmm. No, I, I, I'm not sure what that would be. Um, I guess the, you know, kind of the way I I, I summed it up there is that. We all have the capability of doing far more than what you might recognize Mm -hmm. early on. And whatever it is that you really want to do, you know, forget what you should do and do what you really want. You know, if you want to be a painter, you want to be a dancer, do it. Your life will be much more rewarding even if, you know, the money isn't there for it to be fabulously rewarding. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to have money always follow your dreams, but it doesn't always... And, uh, but honestly, it's really not that big of a deal. Do what, what feels right to you. Right now I live out in, uh, southern New Mexico. <clears throat> My view is the kind of thing people only get to see on vacation. It's much harder to make a living and survive in this little town than it would be for me in a larger city. Who knows? I may choose to, I may decide that I want to go to Seattle or London one of these days. I, I, uh, opened uh, or previewed Billy Shakespeare in London and stayed there for a month and absolutely loved the place.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, I could certainly see myself spending some time there. But whatever you choose, don't mistake it as being permanent. It's just for the moment. Um, whether days. it's three years or five years, do it. Follow it. You know, I've absolutely for a time here. I was planning to come and kind of retire. I was going to teach and write my novels and and stuff, but somehow or another, I ended up back in filmmaking, you know, would that have happened if I had stayed in Dallas or Los Angeles, if I had become a director, I don't know, I might not have, wouldn't that be, it'd be interesting to find out what would be the trajectory of your life if you made different choices along the way, but uh, this is just right for me, and I'm, you know, very excited about continuing to film and shoot, whether it's uh, music videos or a, which there's a lot of fun to do, you don't have to worry about sound they have the sound for you, I love just doing the visual, <laughs> the sound is yeah. the most difficult part of making a film then, uh, you know I'm going to keep making film you know, just living and breathing life forever long it lasts
1: And I want to ask you too, do you uh, ever do any horror conventions uh, because of your part in, in Friday the 13th Part 5?
2: One and I was really, honestly, I was really nervous about doing it. But it happened to be in Arlington when I was still living in the Dallas area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was afraid there were going to be a lot of scary people. <laughs> you know, not the fans <laughs> being scary, but the people you know in in scary outfits. And was <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't want to to You know, it took me a long time to to relax about Halloween because you know people dress in those scary outfits. I don't like that. But, you know, Halloween I enjoy now, but <clears throat> I, I don't know. Um, I really haven't done anything beyond that one. Um, I was invited to go to one on the East Coast <clears throat> that I was teaching at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I couldn't leave to get there. There were too many problems with it. You know, I already had my uh, responsibility with my kids and stuff. And then, um, I've also been boycotting the airlines for the last decade, although i I see after nine eleven and um uh, the violation of our our rights as Americans and what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do has changed so much <clears throat> that um I just I really didn't want to be involved in being searched and patted down and x-rayed and (laughs) all the things that go with at the airport and uh, I was really surprised and saddened to see that people tolerate it it's like wow It, it, it you know I don't know if you're I can't remember who said it but that you know we will not lose our freedom because there's not going to be, like, a big war or a big battle where somebody will come in and take control. We will just give up our rights, little by little. The way it will happen is that those in power, the people around us, will keep telling us we have things to fear. We have this to fear, so we have to do this to make us safer. And with the, every time we, quote, make ourselves safer, um, we lose more and more of our freedom and uh, truth not
1: right. I knew you were Hey, really, when I felt
2: yeah. a lot more free in London than I did in the United
1: States. <laughs> I knew you were a really cool hippie chick, and I really like that. I can respect <laughs> that. <laughs> hey, Kevin,
0: are, are you saying that she's going to start singing I Got You, babe?
1: I don't know. I would sing it with <laughs> her if she did.
2: No, but I might start singing one of those anti-war anthems from the 60s and
1: 70s. <laughs>
2: that would definitely I gotta be, be me. me. <laughs> and I, you
1: know, I will say, I've how
2: about one tin soldier?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I grew up in the conservative South, and I still live in the conservative South, and and I am uh, very much still conservative. But I've changed a lot. Uh, you know, I, I quote Chris Rock: "I'm probably the most uh, uh, conservative liberal you're going to meet, and the most liberal conservative." So you have to look at things objectively. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to thank you for being on. You you have no idea uh, what it meant to Scott and I that you devoted some of your time. I know that you're busy, and uh, just the fact that you came on and you related some of your experiences, some some very personal experiences, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, Deborah.
2: Well, I very much enjoyed talking with you guys, and I appreciate your thoughtfulness on the, the questions. And not just, you know, it wasn't your... Um, it wasn 't a boring interview,
1: and I appreciate that oh you were you yeah. definitely made the interview and Scott and I didn't want to ask you the same questions that you get asked over and over again, and uh I really did try to send it in a direction as far as touching on Friday five a little bit, but just what you 're doing now because you do lead a very interesting life and uh like i said i I think the 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 best part about talking to you and and right. even you know following you on facebook and and reading some of the things that 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 you've said is that you are such a positive person. Well, oh, you know, thank you. Yeah, yeah, positive, non-judgmental, and I think everybody's life would be easier if we tried to be like that a little more because we all have our flaws, yeah. and uh, you know, there's there's no template for life. There really isn't, and no. uh, you just do the best you can.
0: It's ever great I, to have I, you as a guest as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I really
2: do.
1: And and the the fan side of me, I've, I've got to geek out and say it was so awesome to talk to you. I cannot believe that I talked to Deborah Vortes. <laughs> we talked
0: to the negative chicks from <laughs> joke. That was a joke.
1: <laughs> but uh, if. If you do a horror con, I want to plug Mad Monster Party in Charlotte, North Carolina. Please come to that; I would be there. Okay, it's it's a good when, one. When is
2: that? Uh, it's
1: typically in March, and uh, it's you know it's I think this is the uh, the third year, and uh, you know I, I never went to uh, horror cons that much up until about two thousand and ten and we went to Texas frightmare weekend in Dallas uh me and a buddy actually road tripped it to Dallas from central north carolina where i live and uh, it was such a great experience it was it was uh such a a, a task to try to get there though it's it's like uh, 1100 miles one way uh so uh you know you had to be dedicated and we did it in like 2 days on 5 hour energy drinks and uh, uh a lot of classic rock and roll that's pretty much how we made it but then we got mad monster party in charlotte which is just you know, at my back door. Charlotte is about 90 miles away from me. So, uh, this is, I want to say this is the fourth year and it's really gotten big. Check it out on the website. It's madmonsterparty.com. Uh, but if, if you're going to do one, that is a good one. Well,
2: thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, send me a link to it. I'll
1: take a look. I will. I definitely will. And, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And like I said, it's, it's been, uh, Awesome to talk to you. It's been awesome to get to know you, and I appreciate your time so very much.
2: Thank you. Thank you, both you guys. You guys are great.
1: You, you too. David, take care. You, too. Take care, Take Deborah. care. Bye. Bye-bye. See you.